there's a new movie about the New York Liberty. Jackie Powell and I have a lot to talk about. Locked on Women's Basketball starts now. You are Locked on Women's Basketball. Your daily podcast on women's basketball. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Well, hi there and welcome to Locked On Women's Basketball. I'm your host, Howard McDowell, reminding you you can listen to us every day. Thank you for making us your first listen. Make sure you subscribe, rate, and review us everywhere podcasts can be found. Follow the work we are all doing at the next at thenexthoops.com, where we are covering women's basketball 24-7, 365. And just a reminder, go to our playback watch party tonight, 9 p.m., Seattle, Minnesota. Going to be really interesting. But Jackie Powell and I, as we usually do on Monday nights, we were at a film premiere. And so, Jackie, I mean, does it kind of get – running the mill to you at this point, walking the red carpet and, you know, being among movie stars? Well, let me just clarify. I did not walk the red carpet. You did because you were in the film, although my voice was in it, which was unexpected. It was. That fun. was so exciting. And I'm, I'm just like a real tribute to your reporting that you asked a question that was important enough that it ends up in a movie. So I thought that was, that was just right. The movie, the film, it's called Unfinished Business, Allison Clayman's latest, and it looks at the New York Liberty past and present, uh, and even a little bit of a hint into the future. But I, as we navigate this discussion, and we'll, we're going to be talking about the New York Liberty legends that we saw last night and what they mean now and going forward, but also current New York Liberty players like Sabrina Ionescu and Nigel Laney, uh, and at, Someone I love seeing Han Shu walk the red carpet too. Han looked very excited about that. Lorella Kabai was so excited to be all dressed up. Who did you think had the best red carpet look out of all the people we saw? Oh, damn. That's really hard. Um, I feel like if I could do superlatives because there were a bunch of really good ones, but they fit different categories. So there were a couple that didn't go for the dress look. There were some that went for more of like the, the casual, nice, chic pantsuit type. And mm -hmm. so I think Maureen Johannes wins that category. Okay. She looks so chic and so European because I mean, she is. Um, but I'd say in like the, the dress bodysuit category, I think Dee Dee, probably wins, um, which isn't a shocker. And then I, really I, just, I have to interrupt real quickly about this. Yes. Did you see Scarlett Carroll's column about the latest in WNBA fashion? She writes it over at The Athletic uh, every week. I, I happen to love it. Um, but she had Dee Dee's look, her Velma look from Scooby-Doo, fifth. What? Fifth. I know. It's outrageous. I, I don't get mad about power rankings, but this one, this one was hard, you, you know, and Charlotte's the expert and I'm not the expert. Um, I, I, I freely admit that, but I, I just, 
I think it's an outrage. I do. I do. I think I'm going to lodge a formal protest with Charlotte. So I'm doing that here on the, on the podcast. I thought that might've been, and I had this conversation with people at home, the best look anybody had all, all year so far in the WNBA. I agree. I agree. I may have to text Charlotte. Who, who was number one? It was, she had this great line. It was as if, uh, L. Woods and Barbie had met in the present um, for, I think, who was number one overall. I'll have to go look that up. Uh, but it was just a particularly good line about this. So let's take Charlotte. a look. We'll have a chat, Charlotte and I. I, but I love Absolutely. That's, I, I mean, again, I love that kind of value add of looking about the way the lead looks. Um, ah, De'Arica Hamby, who again, De'Arica Hamby is as stylish as could be, no doubt about it, but fifth, fifth for DD. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. I write your congressperson. That would be my advice. So when you look at the legends that we saw last night and Kim Hampton, who of course has been part of this team's fabric, she's been there through thick and thin. She was there at the MSG years. She was there in Westchester, which is not easy to get to. As we, I mean, easy for us, but not easy for people from the city to get to, obviously. And she's stayed there through the Barclays Center years. And you love to see that. But hearing from her, hearing from Sue, I'm just, what were your overall impressions from, uh, and of course, T Spoon, who is in many ways the star of this film? I think my impressions are just how much those years meant to those people. I mean, Kim Hampton, she was speaking on this panel afterwards with Ari Chambers and she lost her voice. And I don't, I'm not sure if she had lost it because she was, you know, passionately talking about something before, but with that hoarse voice, you can just, the passion in it, I think, was illuminated, you know, when she's struggling to speak, but she really wants to because she really wants to participate. Like someone who wasn't as passionate would sort of be like, oh, you know, I'm not going to speak that much because my voice is hoarse. But Kim, that wasn't a question for Kim. Mm-hmm. She wanted to reflect. She wanted people in the audience watching the film to know what this was like for her and what this means to her. And I think every single legend. So it was, so Kim, Sue Wicks, Teaspoon, uh, Crystal Robinson, who we forgot to. They all had moments in the film and then during the panel afterwards where they really harped on what this meant for them and their careers, what this meant for them as people and how it's, it's unforgettable. It's something that they, they cherish and they see themselves in this younger generation. And I think every time they get the opportunity to come they find that this is part of not only a family, that's a bit cliche, but it's a part of an ecosystem. Mm -hmm. It's a part of a storybook 
that they started. And they take so much pride in that. Because for them, if they don't show up in the ways in which they do, the Liberty story isn't told. The ladder down, but the ladder up too, right? Rebecca Lobo, who's featured quite a bit in this film, is an image that really stayed with me of her talking about women in their 50s and 60s grabbing her by the arm and talking about what an opportunity it was when she was playing in the lead. This was not an opportunity that they had. And of course, uh, as we know with the next, what we're highlighting, what we're spotlighting right now are the women of the WBL, which was a professional lead that not a lot of people talk about from 1979 through 1981. I strongly urge you to go read Natalie Heverin's intro story about this, but we're going to be talking with WBL legends here on the podcast as well and writing about them all year long as we celebrate 50 years of Title IX. But that's the thing that struck me is that there are generations upon generations who have always cared about the game this way, who have always loved the game, who have always been capable of playing the game at an elite level. The thing that changes that develops that is looking to be grown is the opportunity to do so. And so I want to talk about the impact that that has had on current players, because we saw that firsthand. But before we do that, I want to talk to you about Arcade One Up. Arcade One Up means that NBA Jam is back. They've made it bigger than ever with a Shaq edition machine. So in one of the first sports games to ever feature real and digitized NBA licensed teams, there's no fouls, no free throws. And now if you buy this machine, there's no quarters required. They've got a lot of classics, Golden Team, Mortal Kombat, and many others, starting at $3.99. So I just got to tell you, as somebody who grew up loving and caring about NBA Jam, who would go to the arcade in order to play it, and then at the moment I was able to get it for my Super Nintendo, my life changed forever, being able to play it, to the point that I sit here in retrospect, and I would give almost anything for a WNBA jam. NBA jam is a lot of fun. So highly recommend you go check out arcade one up. So go to the, go to the site and view the consoles at arcade one up.com. Enjoy NBA jam and other classics from my childhood. Since I am apparently an old, some people who are not are people like Sabrina Ionescu just 24 years old, was asked by the great Ari Chambers to define herself in one word after the showing in the movie. Her one word was winner. Did you notice how that resonated with Sue Wicks, who talked about how difficult it was for her to just even simply be a confident woman on the basketball court? How much do you think there is in terms of a gap, in terms of growth, when we look to measure emotionally between the folks we saw from the early years of the Liberty and people like Benajelani who can enter a locker room and be understood as a leader, Sabrina Ionescu, who can confidently express what she is and what her goals are and how much that has changed. You know, what did you see in terms of that resonance? So you took this conversation to a place that I didn't expect. The first thing I was going to address is just how the legends their impression on the current Liberty players and imparting to them 
what it means to wear that seafoam green. I think this has been something that was pretty prevalent in the film. It's been prevalent in some reporting that I've done of the team. There mm -hmm. was a story I wrote at Sports Illustrated uh, around a year ago that spoke about this and spoke about how the Liberty had to find that again. Mm -hmm. And so when these meetings happen between the legends and the new young players of today, there's that exchange of ideas. And so you're talking about the energy from the young players and the new generation, that there's this confidence that's there. But I think what the old generation imparts onto the new generation is what it means to play for New York, what it means to wear the jersey, what is expected out of a New York Liberty basketball team, which I don't think this group knew until they really were able to talk to the legends. Mm -hmm. There was a moment last night on the red carpet where I think it was Natasha Howard, Michaela Onyenwere, and Sammy Whitcomb, and they pass by the group of legends that are you know, also on the red carpet. And they just hug each other and they know each other from when there was a dinner, I believe, last season in August. And what was really interesting about it, actually, was it was right before the Ring of Honor ceremony for Crystal Robinson. And mm -hmm. it was on that same night when Sandy Brondello was in town, but coaching a different team. And so the legends and the current players remember each other. And, and I took this video and. You see like Maureen Johannes, who just joined the team recently and who was last on the team in 2019. Mm -hmm. She's like trying to take it all in and she's trying to understand what her place is in this. And she's smiling, but she doesn't know these people, but she's looking around and then she walks and continues walking down the red carpet. And so later, I'm going to want to talk to people like Maureen and people like Han who didn't experience this last year, who didn't go to this dinner, who didn't listen to Teresa Weatherspoon's um, oration about what being on this team means. And I think that's what's missing. And so what I really like is sort of just this exchange of ideas between the generations and how, you know, Sue Wicks listens to Sabrina is like, oh man, like this, this level of confidence, like, this shows how far we've come if players come in with that type of energy. I guess I wonder whether you think the franchise is at a point. I mean, I know when we've talked about this off air that they haven't always been great about embracing their past. Do you think this is something that allows them to do it? Does this feel like you're checking a box or is it somewhere in between? I think it's somewhere in between. Okay. And I think the place where there's going to be growth is the relationship between the players, the players themselves. I think mm -hmm. that's where you see the most organic thing happen. And I do want to mention a little tidbit from the red carpet where Sandy Brondello is talking to, I believe it was either Teresa Weatherspoon or Crystal Robinson. And she says to them, she says, when are you guys going to come and talk to the team? You know, we, we'd love to, we'd love 
to talk to you again. Mm-hmm. Sort of setting up that this needs to happen every year. Regularly. Yeah. It needs to be a built-in. I agree with you. I want to talk the last thing about legends, not Liberty legends, legends are adjacent to the Liberty. And we're going to end our show on that. But first, this episode is brought to you by Rock Auto. And with the ever-increasing numbers of mates and models, it's now impossible for your local chain auto parts store to store all the parts you need. Why endure often pointless or seemingly intimidating questions when the person behind the counter is ordering from the same place you can? So go to rockauto.com and see all the parts available for your car. Save the money. Don't pay the markup. Write locked on in there, how did you hear about us, so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. rockauto.com So as we close this out, I do want to focus on one figure who is part of this documentary who's well-known in non-Liberty circles as well. And that is Joan Jett. Tell me what you thought of her in the film and tell me why you think we don't see Joan Jett's today at Liberty Games. Oh man, the latter question is something that I think I'm going to dive into myself. But what did I think of Joan Jett in that film? I mean, Joan Jett is pivotal in Liberty history. And I am so glad that Allison included her in it, that we got some of the footage of her holding up that voodoo doll. And the the title of the film is based on a song that she wrote for the Liberty. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know that until you hear the let's go Liberty bit toward the end. And you're yeah, like- That was new to me too, yeah. And I was like, oh, I know this. This has been played. I've heard this before. Mm-hmm. And Joan Jett, to me, watching those clips in the film and then watching the present day footage of her, which I thought was so important. Mm-hmm. It, it's like when Ari Chambers says the WNBA is so important. Well, the New York Liberty is so important. And I think you got that vibe from Joan Jett. Yeah. But now to address the second part of your question, which is why don't we see Joan Jett's now? And Mm -hmm. where is Joan Jett? I mean, does she live out in LA and she's not able to come to games or does she not want to, does she not want to go to Sparks games? Does she have to pass? That's another. if, If she's a Liberty fan out in LA, why isn't she doing ads for WNBA lead pass? Somebody who's passionate, who cares about it. You know, this is an opportunity to bring people in. And we talk about this all the time, right? Bringing people in who care about this, making sure the community gets larger, being an on-ramp for those who want to get into the community instead of pushing people away. The one thing I will say about the potential for Joan Jets and the one little Um, example of someone who could be like that Mm -hmm. is Chance the Rapper. And this is what we saw during the WNBA finals. Mm -hmm. Chance the Rapper was at every single game of the finals in Chicago. He brought his child. He was wearing a Kalia Copper jersey. He was with them during their championship parade. And I just wonder if the Liberty had won a Mm -hmm. WNBA championship, 
Would Joan Jett have been on the float? Would Joan Jett have been at the parade? The answer is probably yes. I, I like to think so. I would hope we get the opportunity to find that out down the Canyon of Heroes. That would be quite a story and a vital Jackie Powell story. I look forward to reading that one someday when they finish their business. Well, before we let you go, I just want to thank everyone listening for making us your first listen. Uh, and Jackie, this is interesting. I think this is part of what I learned last night. Joe Sai, who was at the film premiere, uh, who owns the Liberty, apparently also owns an NBA team. I don't know if you knew this. There's a national basketball association. Um, and you know what? Good for them. The, the men are getting a chance to play too. So I, I, you know, I've got no objection to that. NBA is a perfectly fine way to kill time between WNBA seasons. So just make sure you go and check out the Locked On NBA Big Board or host Raphael Barlow from NBA Draft Junkies and author of the NBA Big Board newsletter is joined by Richard Stamen, Sam Ferris, and Leif Thulin, giving fans an in-depth look in the NBA draft, mock draft, player rankings, and of course, the Big Board's it's free wherever you get podcasts, and apparently the Knicks are going to falsely raise the hopes of their fans once again. So it's obviously very exciting here in New York. There's even a local angle. Everyone follow Jackie Powell at Classic J Powell. She does incredible work at the Knicks. She does incredible work in her column at Bleacher Report. Jackie Powell is, um, to use your phrase uh, on my Instagram picture from last night, my whole heart. Thank you, Jackie. And thank you to everyone who's listening. We'll be back with you tomorrow and every weekday. This is Locked on Women's Basketball. You are Locked on Women's Basketball. Your daily podcast on women's basketball. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network. Your team every day.